Hey friends, hey zebras, if you hear some sort of like humming noise in the background, listen, it's the middle of summer, guys. I got the air conditioning running, plus it's getting kind of hot in her. Not to quote Nelly or anything, but I pretty much just totally did. This podcast is with Alex Nepa, DJ Alex Nepa, with Mint DJ Events out of State College, Pennsylvania. If you've been in State College in your life, and you've been to a club, you've been to a party, you've been to a wedding, you've probably experienced Alex on the ones and twos at some point in time. He's awesome at what he does. He's a seasoned pro. He's been in the game, the DJ game, for a long time. And we're kind of, you know, kindred spirits in a way because I've been a radio DJ for most of my life. Also was a very lackluster club DJ for a couple of years, so... I I kind of know what he's all about just from experience, but uh, he, he's really a professional and he does it well. And uh, it's 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 his career, it's his life, and he has so he has mint event or mint DJ events. He also DJ Alex Nepa. You can find him on all social media. That's Alex and then N E P A for Nepa. He's a really cool dude. Also a wrestling fan, so also at the same time a 90s kid. We got a lot of things in common, and I had a great time talking to him. And uh, if there's any DJs out there, anybody in the entertainment industry who wants to be on the podcast, who wants to talk to me, uh, I'm starting to do this now. I come to people's houses because I got some portable software that I can come to your house and record the podcast where you are. I come to you. You don't need to come to me and hang out in my basement because that might be creepy for some people out there. Please, if you ever do want to do something together, reach reach me on social media. Super. Super easy to get a hold of me. Facebook and Instagram, Rob Z Radio. Twitter and Snapchat is Rob Z Yo. You can call my uh, podcast voicemail, which is 814-799-0064. You know, every podcast that I listen to, they have the same things they say at the beginning of every episode and at the end, and I try to avoid that, but you got to put a plug out there for yourself, so it's kind of pos- impossible to avoid, but I would love to hear from you. And find out what's going on in your life. So please contact me, hit me up, and and we can meet up and make the magic happen. And if you would uh, leave a rating on iTunes, uh, three, four, five stars, and uh, I greatly appreciate that in advance. Even though you'll probably never do it. I'm sorry to be pessimistic, but that's that's just that's what came out of me right there. Just shut up, Rob. Let's start the show. This is Rob Z Radio. All right, it's Rob Z Radio. We're broadcasting live right now from the studio for the podcast of Alex Nepa, uh, DJ Alex. What is DJ Alex Nepa? DJ Alex Nepa. Boom. N E P A. In case you don't know about him, somehow. Yeah. Look me up on Google. I imagine <laughs> Google my name. www dot. Though you Google, you can check out IHateAlexNepa.com. Is that a website? It is actually a website. <laughs> is it your website? <laughs> it is. Yep. Is it really? Yeah, it is. It is not a, not a crazy X's or anything. It's actually my website. I love that. That's awesome. Is that something you created because you knew people would would uh, be typing that in, or how how did that happen? So I was it was a Sunday. I was bored. It was after a busy event weekend, and I was like, "What can I do today?" So originally that was supposed to be like I've got alexnepa.com, I've got djalexnepa.com, and they all go to a real bio, a real like you know background site, a real website. Yeah. I thought originally the concept was going to be like fake bad reviews about me on ihateAlexNepa.com. But then I decided, you know, eh, I'm kind of bored. I'm kind of, I don't really feel like doing this. A Bloody Mary's calling my name. So I decided just to make it like a shell site. It's got like my most recent tweet on it. Yeah. <laughs> I actually, on my podcast, no lie, I have a phone number people can call. 
to leave a voicemail message. So I started, I did this so I could call and leave fake voicemails <laughs> myself, like yep. doing different voices, making fun of myself. So kind of the same idea I like that. of that website. Uh, but Alex, thank you, first of all, because we're in your studio right now. We are in my home office. Yep. In your home, in your house, in your home office. I appreciate, first of all, you inviting me out here. My pleasure. To be on the podcast. Greatly appreciate that. Second of all, uh, kind of kindred spirits as far as DJs go. I have not been much of a club DJ in my life for a few years at the island in Altoona. That's about it for that on that end. Um, but for you, how many years has it been now? Um, going on like actual legitimate club DJing and actual legitimate DJing about 15 years, 16 years. Um, but actual DJing about 20. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And break down, you know, all of your everything you're involved in right now, so people know what you do um might be easier just to list what i'm not involved in <laughs> um so uh, yeah a lot of things obviously i own a company it's mint dj events we've got 15 really awesome djs on our staff and that's a team of like staff assistants djs um in office event planners lighting people so it's really just a big conglomerate of talent that can make things happen and make things happen in a great way for our clients um, other than that, you know, we do a lot of stuff in nightlife at Penn State and downtown. Indigo's like obviously our biggest room, really fun room. Been a client for you know, just as long as I've really been doing this, 12 plus years. Um, other than that, we do Inferno and Chrome and every once in a while Champs downtown, the brand new Champs. So you basically have State College locked down as far as DJs go and as far as like uh, if your nightlife goes. I'm not where I want to be yet, but we're heading there. Okay, yeah. where do you want to be? What's the... What's your vision for the future? Um, so I, I would it's like a big to question, I guess. To yeah, start that's, things that's, off, a, that's a huge question, but <laughs> I, I like it. I dig it. And as far as the nightlife scene goes, I would like to see um, both, you know, the student nightlife, which we do have quite a bit of, but I'd like to see a little bit more adult nightlife as State College grows and as a city and grows as an economic hub in the middle in the central of the state. So yeah, I definitely would like to see more adult-based nightlife um, as the adult professional community in State College gets younger because of people retiring and moving on and things like that. Um, I definitely think there's a need or a, a market for DJs in that segment of like 35 to 50. Yeah. yeah, and you don't see many of those at all. That's not your typical, when you think of a DJ, you don't think of that age group. No, 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 definitely not. Yeah, you think of the younger. And, and it's, you know, again, DJ culture was big or getting big in that era and that age range. Um, obviously, that's my age range as well. So it's a, a near and dear to my heart. And as right. a bus I'm a business owner, I'm a member of the community. So. so whenever you were like in your 20s, you would never have thought of something like that. But now that you're in that age range, it's like there needs to be something for me. For yeah, my for, for my for me and my my people, I guess right. you could say. <laughs> I mean, like, I guess when I was starting off as somebody in the business community, like you would go to chamber events and things like that, and it's just these classic rock jam bands, which you know, no yeah. disrespect to them, but you know, they may have passed their time. Right. Yeah, and I'm from Altoona, and that's kind of what Altoona has always been the uh, the the local cover groups, cover bands. They seem to thrive. Yep. More so than DJs. State College has always been the opposite. At least that's from my perspective. Um, it's a mix of both, for sure. Like, especially with the student market, cover bands are prevalent and, and very heavy out there mm -hmm. um, in the nightlife scene. And I think there's definitely a place for them, and I love working with them. Um, there's been, God, many times where I've actually done weddings and done nightlife events with some of the really cool cover bands in town. And that's actually the best of both worlds when you're going back and forth with a band and a DJ. That's really fun. Now, I find it interesting because you've been DJing for such a long time. And I know that 
like the bars and the clubs in State College have changed so much over the years, like on many different iterations, many different owners. How have you navigated your way through all of that to end up where you're at now? I think the big thing is obviously, you know, being talented, being known, um, you know, and having that skill set that people can trust and rely on. That's huge. But to a certain extent, a lot of it is consistency. Um, when you're in a college market, you might get a college kid that's doing his own thing. And like in a lot of cities, you'll see DJs that have like, you know, dozens and dozens of competitors. It's cutthroat. People are, you know, bottom feeding in order to kind of get the events. Yeah. You don't see that in State College. And I think one of the reasons why is, you know, some of the students, like they're, they're come and go. You might have an awesome DJ who's a senior and then you don't have them. So when you come to a company like us, we can provide talented DJs that are good and constantly have that cycle of amazing talent year after year. And that's why I think we are as popular as we are. Is that, because I'm not very uh, informed in the DJ culture, is that a pretty common thing to have? Because you train people to be DJs. You don't just find DJs and hire them. You actually bring them up from the ground up, right? A mix of both. Um, Ideally, like somebody that I hire will have a little bit of knowledge, but not the bad habits that might come with a lot of knowledge. Right. Stuck in their ways and not willing to change at all. So if we could teach our company culture to them, and teach how we operate and also teach, you know, a little bit and refine their skill set. Mm-hmm. That's the ideal situation. Um, do you find now, the way the culture is right now, more people, I would imagine, are trying to be DJs? It seems like that more than ever before, everybody thinks they can be one on some level, whether in a college dorm room or at a party, they think they can do it. And it's kind of like photography. Everybody thinks they can be a photographer, and I guess it's kind of like podcasting. Everybody thinks they can be a <laughs> podcaster, right? Like, because the internet kind of opens the door for all of that. So, how do you navigate? How do you find the right people for the job? Yeah. So, the cost of entry to be a DJ and the cost of entry to be a photographer or the cost of entry to be anyone in a creative field now is super low. Yeah. Back in the day, you'd need a pair of there are a pair of techniques, you need a mixer, and that's, that was your least expensive pieces. You know, obviously you need speakers. Um, nowadays... And actually have to learn how to use turntables, like it was a, a Well, yeah, curve. and also have five to 500 to 1,000 records that you right. carry with you to every <laughs> event. And that was super expensive, and that's like the curation of your collection and yeah. having that collection and traveling to like Harrisburg, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, New York even to get the hot new records before they're big. You know, the internet didn't exist then. You know, you again, it was very difficult to enter and be a DJ at the time. Yeah. And most people, because it was so difficult to do and so difficult to kind of amass the collection of materials that you needed to do the job, you know, most of the time people would fizzle out or, you know, just not have the patience to actually learn and get good. In my case, actually, I sucked when it was time record, when I was using records. Oh, it would have been the worst. I mean, it was like I played good songs. My song selection was great. But... You know, technically? Being, yeah, technically, you know, yeah, it was. It was I always thought that bad. about radio because yeah. I came in right at the beginning, right at the end of the CD jukebox and right at the beginning of MP3s. Yep. If I would have been in radio when you had to change records every three minutes, <laughs> I don't think I would have survived. Like, it just, it, it seems so daunting to put yeah. all that together, one person putting all that together. Uh, so, yeah, things, it, it's made, I guess, technology's made it more accessible for everybody yep. and made it, made, it, except made it easy for anybody to sound okay. Yeah, absolutely. And this is actually where most DJs or older head DJs um, might disagree with me. And I actually think that's a good thing. Um, I think anybody that 
has it in their head or wants to be creative and has the tools e- easily accessible to them, we're going to get more talent. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, talent that wanted to be a DJ 20 years ago might not have had the means to do so, and they just never did it. So more people can try, and if they're good and if they want to stick with it, that's awesome because they're going to develop into somebody awesome. If yeah. they're not good, you know, they'll fizzle just like anything else. So. It's kind of I see... Uh Dead Mouse, he's, I, like last year or whatever, put a commercial out on social media teaching people how to make EDM music. I'm like, my God, man. Like this, <laughs> this would not have existed 15 years ago, 20 years ago. No, like, no, This was no. not even in the realm of possibilities that somebody would... It, it, it's, it's a good thing in a way because now you have you know, people willing to teach somebody openly to enter the genre of business that they're in. So it's not like a shark tank as much anymore where you're fighting for survival. It seems like yeah. everybody has an opportunity. But then it drops the cost, I imagine, for everybody. Have you experienced that over the years? Do you keep your costs high or the way you have always had them? Or have you kind of downscaled to be more competitive? Are you talking about like our pricing? Yes. Our price points have gone up um, and, and more on the private event side of things. As again, we, we sell ourselves as a talented company and we sell ourselves as DJ talents. There are other DJ companies in the area and they might be professional. They're going to show up on time. They're going to play the music that you want to hear. You know, the pre-planning might even be amazing. Mm-hmm. But when it comes time for the actual party, we're going to do all of that. Plus, we're going to have this great um, convergence of music. Our DJs are going to mix music seamlessly. We're going to read the crowd. We're going to play the pieces of the songs that people want to hear. So it's definitely having that talent and, and being able to train that talent and, and attract that talent has allowed us to you know keep our prices up. On the um, nightlife side of things, it's really been pretty flat. Um, mm-hmm. But again, those are the jobs that you know are a lot of times creatively rewarding or they keep us working in the busy months where private events don't take place. Yeah, and that's where you have the most fun, right? When you're actually in a club, that, that's probably where you thrive the most because working in a, a wedding or a private party, it's a um, little bit more, a little bit stiffer, I'd assume, than you know being in a nightclub doing your thing. Yeah, I might disagree with that. I mean, a good party okay. is a good party and a lot of the times because of our level of talent and like the clients that we attract, like our wedding clients, our private event clients trust us to do us Obviously, you know, they've got elements of them and it's personalized, but because they trust us to do us, it's just as creatively rewarding pretty much. Hmm. Where's your passion come from? How, how did you get into DJing? Where did it all begin? I think it's music. It's always been music. I've been a giant music fan my entire life going back to, you know, when my mom would listen to funk and disco and my dad would listen to rock music. In the 90s, obviously, I was huge into the alternative rock scene. And then, of course, when I got a car with a big sound system, mm-hmm. hip hop kind of took over. You got some subs in the back, yeah, yeah. rattling the trunk. So, yeah, like all, all my favorite you know, rock bands, didn't, it didn't thump quite as hard. Right, yeah. And it also didn't attract the girls the way hip hop did. Yeah, so. that's one of the appeals, isn't it? Like yeah. I guess just, just how it sounds in your car because yes, obviously maybe you still have a loud system in your car. I don't. I listen <laughs> to podcasts in my car now. Like I don't, <laughs> I rarely play music, which is bizarre because I used to play music constantly. But when I was, you know, late teens, early 20s, everybody had a system. Everybody's car was falling apart because of how <laughs> loud their music was. The screws and, in the trunk were rattling out. Yeah, and yeah. you couldn't talk to each other while you were driving down the road. And uh, I guess that still happens. I'm just older, and I don't experience it anymore. Yeah. Well, I'm definitely not that. cruising around town, uh, you know, scoping for chicks. You Man, know. I pictured you doing that still. <laughs> <laughs> still some, living the life. Handing out some St. Ide special brew. Right. <laughs> 
handing your CD single of your mixes to ladies <laughs> along the side of the road. Uh, I believe you mean cons- cassette tapes. Oh yes, yeah, exactly. Now it's a, now it's a flash drive. <laughs> Here's my flash drive, sweetheart. Yes. Um, so the you grew up in the '90s, as did I. Uh, of course, the '90s was. We'll both say the best era for music. I assume you would say that as well. Um, I think when people say that their era where they were a teenager and young adult like was the best era of music, I think that's more sentimental. It is, yeah. Like, yeah, when, like, you know, when you talk to an old, old head DJ, man, hip-hop isn't the same now. All they're doing is mumbling. I think that's just because you have an emotional attachment to it. True. Yeah, true. I, that, that is, I've, I've thought of that myself. I'm like, maybe I'm being biased because that's what I grew up with. But then I, I look at, uh, I have younger friends who love the 90s. They didn't grow up in the 90s, and they okay. love 90s music. So I kind of feel like there is there was a lot of quality. Because America was, uh, we were, it was going through a weird phase where there was like a lot of angst and anger, and things were changing very rapidly, which they still are right now. But it was, seemed like people were trying to burst through some sort of bubble at some point. There was a lot of like anger build up, and I, a I lot think, of good I, music came from that. I think rock music in the 90s and, and maybe even early 2000s was a lot better than it is now. Yeah. And I think that actually goes to the way they produce it. I think it sounded a lot more organic, a lot more authentic, mm. a lot less overmodulated and produced. Um, yeah, a lot of times they're going to you know, even out the drum, the drummer on a rock band now instead of like letting it be organic and natural. Yeah. So, uh, so you started out, you love music, you got into DJing. Where did you start? Why? What inspired you? to? Did you get turntables? Who did it? Uh, that fra- well, uh, I mean, DJs that inspired me originally were like people like Grandmaster Flash, just kind of hearing them on the radio, watching you know videos and you know VHS tapes and things like that. Okay. Um, but really, I started just doing frat parties because I liked music. I liked money. I liked music, and I liked money. I guess like you could say a little bit of both of them. Right. And again, I was terrible. I was playing records, and people partied. People had a good time. I, I mean, obviously, the stakes were pretty low. These are just you know hammered Penn Staters, just you know trying to have a good time and find a girl. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that was definitely where it started, and it, like, there's definitely something addictive about being a DJ and getting the reaction of the crowd, and kind of having that um, affirmation that you're doing an awesome job. Getting that pop from the crowd when you play something awesome, and they yes. all agree that was the right thing to play. Spoken like a true pro wrestling fan, right? <laughs> Isn't it right? <laughs> <laughs> Throwing the pop. I walk into your home studio, and there's the WWE heavyweight title up on the the uh, the shelf. I'm like, I'm in good company here. <laughs> this is the this is the right place to be for sure. Did you? What, is that real replica? Would you pay like 300 bucks for that? Yeah, we were at a uh, SmackDown house show in September with a couple Penn State friends and. Alex decided to buy it. Yeah, that's something else I guess that comes along with being a '90s kid. Wrestling was so good that everybody from that era was a wrestling fan in some way or another. Yeah, when I was in college, wrestling was cool. You could actually say you're a wrestling fan and not have to like you know defend yourself. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> or feel like really ashamed about the whole thing. Um, the the culture right now, as far as music goes, as far as clubs go, I'm, I'm interested in, in getting your take on it because I don't go out that much. I have a kid, I'm married, I'm older, I used to go out a lot, but just in a smaller town, a state college is much more involved in that whole scene, and I mean, obviously, Penn State, you've got kids coming and going, you've got, it never gets old, because the crowds always stay young, I would assume. Uh, So what have you seen throughout the years, where where were things like when you began to where they are now? 
Uh, I keep on getting older, and they stay the same age. Right. <laughs> Days and confused. Yes. Right back to the 90s. Yeah, we're going to go right to it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we have a really active nightlife community. I mean, every single night of the week, you can go to two or three different bars in town, and they're packed. Um, it's not just a Friday, Saturday thing. It's, so that's really nice, and it keeps us working, keeps us busy, keeps us fresh, keeps us on top of all the new music. Mm. And yeah, it definitely is an awesome thing. I'm definitely not out every single night. Um, I typically am at my desk at seven o'clock most mornings, kind of going at it. Yeah. So. Do you DJ? How many nights a week do you actually DJ? My ideal number is usually three. Okay. A little any any more than three, I usually get a little burnt out. I so you're out till two, three in the morning. Yeah. yeah. But not partying. Just no, doing, no, doing no, your just thing. DJing. Yeah, yeah. I definitely. I, I don't. You know, I'll go out every once in a while, and I'm definitely a kind of a brunch Sunday brunch kind of guy. That's that's my that's my idea of a party. Okay. <laughs> That's that's good to hear because I've always found that interesting that you know you to learn your craft DJing you've got to be in the bar all the time you've got to be around that culture all the time but when you when you kind of grow out of the normal age range of that how do you how do you stay in touch with that while not being in the same culture of it I, I might just I I probably disagree with like to learn your craft that you need to be out listening to everybody I mean back in the day maybe if you're hanging out with a DJ or like shadowing or you know, you're bringing your records and he's letting you jump on every once in a while, stuff, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I actually feel like I've became a more well-rounded, better DJ through social media and networking with other DJs and traveling to DJ conferences okay. and in actually listening to sites like Mixcloud, Soundcloud with other DJs mixes. I think that kind of keeps you fresh. But really, really, when you're asking the question of what keeps you in touch... It's, you know, it might be monitoring charts, things like that, but really it's playing for the crowd and seeing what they're reacting to and, and you know, going from there and doing that on a consistent basis. And I guess with the, uh, the length of years you've been in, you can blend many more different genres of music together than somebody who's, say, like 20, who's DJing. You would be able to bring so many different kinds of sounds together that they might not even think about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you a lot of, so when I'm DJing, I'm somewhat like a, you know an encyclopedia of music to a certain extent like i know music that goes way back i'll hear a new song that comes out and i'll hear an element of something else from 10 15 years ago in that song and try and incorporate it in some way how do you like when you approach whether if you're working in a club one night and you're doing a wedding another night like how do you approach do you approach it the same way the same mindset what's your mindset going in um so with a wedding you're definitely a little more broad to start so typically our wedding process is we meet with the bride or, bride or groom a couple times to plan out things. And we'll plan out like the timeline, the order of events, what's going to happen when. And it's not like to the minute, yeah. but it's, it's a pretty structured event. And when the dance floor starts, sometimes we've got really clear direction in terms of things the bride and groom like, things the bride and groom hate. But sometimes the bride and groom are like, hey, Alex, you know, we hired you because you're Alex. We really like the way you've done a wedding. They may have seen me at a wedding before. So take it where you need to take it. Just make sure our guests have a good time. So in that sense, it's very similar to the club. So I'm going to start off. I'm going to start off a little more broad. I'm going to start off a little bit older and kind of feel out the crowd and see where I need to take them to make sure they have that good time. Obviously, um, you know, I don't really play the cheesy stuff at weddings. You know, I'm not a chicken okay. dance. I'm not a polka. I'm not <sighs> a my favorite, hokey yeah. pokey. <laughs> Um, That's anything. why I quit DJing weddings, by the way, because I was that guy, and I hated myself. I was like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. I'm torturing myself. Anyways, sorry, go ahead. And but like, I mean, I'll like maybe once a year somebody asks me to play that song, and I mean, it's like two and a half minutes. It's not going to kill me. So if you want to hire me, I will play that. But, but it is eating you alive inside as it's being played. 
Uh, or you get on the dance floor and actually do the chicken dance. No, no, no. I don't even know how to do the chicken dance. I don't know how to do the electric slide. Oh, come on. I kind of black out. <laughs> You've blocked it out of your memory. Yeah, yeah. It's you know, it's, a, it's an emotional scar. The, the one that kills me the most is Gangnam Style. Like, I just cannot take that song. <sighs> Love that song still to this day. <laughs> I always have liked it. I don't know. what. It just it just makes sense to me. Well, how old is your kid? He's he'll be three in a month, and he okay. loves Gangnam Style. Really? Because okay. oh, yeah. I feel like he, that he was probably born after that, right? Yeah, he was. Okay. But I played it for him. Okay. And he cuz the music video also is hysterically bizarre. And it's I think it's made for a little kid because they just eat it up. I yeah, mean, I know. Just, yeah, maybe. And he kind of can do the dance. Most of the, they My wife they can. can really do it. They think they can. Yeah. Right. <laughs> he's close. Yeah. I'd say he's pretty close. Um when you're this is this has always been I guess the DJ question. And I've always asked DJs this because I'm just curious. What is there like a, a go-to song, like that one song that you play that you know at, at any point it's going to work? That's a tough one because I, I guess you could say no to that because like every crowd is different. And yeah, I mean, there, there's definitely go-tos. Like, so a lot of times there's like set starter songs, like songs that just have that immediate like hit that you know are gonna be a good way to start off a set yeah and you know that could be like um, michael jackson's don't stop till you get enough um might be a song like uh, and then of course i have a million this is how we do it by montel jordan just something with that immediate like like within three seconds you know what it is um but they're not necessarily gonna be floor fillers most Mm -hmm. of the time they will get the floor started um and i'm talking more on the private event side of things usually in the club world um you know the dance floor kind of builds like throughout the night as people enter and drink and you know and, and by you know 11 30 you've got a packed dance floor people just going crazy at everything you're doing yeah then yeah. that's when you can just kind of throw caution to the wind and just do what you do because you know what you know what gets, you, yeah you get in that zone works. yeah yeah i mean so that and that's one where that's the one area where private events like weddings and pri- and and nightclubs will differ so a nightclub you know assuming that you are playing the entire night and you don't have an opener like you are slowly building that that dance floor and almost to a certain extent having foreplay with that crowd mm-hmm. you know to get them to where you need to get them it's interesting when i used to dj it was i didn't do it long enough to get really comfortable with it but it was it was always fun whenever you started getting things rolling and you started getting people on the floor because it, you just you have this power it's like a, you feel the energy number yeah. one and you're like oh, i know what i'm doing up here like i control all of these people with the music that i'm playing you get the crowd in the palm of your hand and yeah. like that's when so and i call it earning trust so once you've earned their trust and they're they believe in you as a dj and your musical journey that you're taking them on that's when you can start having fun and throwing in elements of creativity to make you you and to make your set different than you know the five thousand other djs in the world so what is that for you what make what separates you from other people um, a lot DJs. of it's probably editing, like prior to, like I, I definitely have knowledge of music production software and a lot of times I'll edit songs to make them unique to me. Okay. Um, and then of course, yeah, I mean, I, I guess that's, that's probably the big way, but I, I'll throw some oddballs out there every once in a while. Like, you know, if I've got, you know, a room of like a thousand college kids, you know, I'll drop in a song that, you know, they might have, might not have heard in like 15 years and it's not like the, the typical song like... Uh, yeah, it could, it could be a real song out of left field. Like Skater Boy from Avril Lavigne. Yeah, yeah, that, that's, <laughs> that's that's one. A, I, yeah, I haven't got. That was a heard terrible. That, one in ages. I, that was a bad name. I just pulled out right there. I should have thought of a better song. Ima- just <laughs> Imagine the amazing music that takes place in that household with her and Chad Kroger from Nickelback. <sighs> They're broken up. That didn't last. Oh, I have no idea. They never even made the album together. No, oh, yeah, we're gonna make I, an album together. Well, why wouldn't they? <laughs> it seemed like 
the two greatest musical minds ever come together. How do you not make an album together? And you get divorced before it happens? Like, come on. Okay, let's talk about how out of touch I am with pop culture. <laughs> I, I literally, I have not, I don't get to sit down and watch movies a lot of times. So, uh, you know, a girlfriend will sit down and say, to, hey, Alex, have you seen this movie? And I'm like, what? I've never even heard of that. <laughs> like, oh, it was like the number one movie in the world for like eight months. Right. No right. clue. Yeah. And so how long ago did Chad Kroger and Avril Lavigne break up? Oh, it's been years. It, they only lasted maybe a couple of years. So it, it's been, uh, boy, I don't know, five, six years. Hey, let's shout out to your dogs, by the way. What are your dogs' names? <laughs> yeah. In case you can hear them in yeah, the background. Yeah, I, I don't know if you could hear them, but we've got Lady and Webster um, probably barking at somebody random or walking by or <laughs> a bag blow, blowing around in my backyard. Right. Yeah. <laughs> They're pretty awesome. Two pugs. But it's interesting, like you were saying about being out of touch. Um, you know, I, I left the radio station. I left Hot 100 a couple of months ago, and I'm already falling out. Because I, one thing I loved about working in Top 40 Radio was I was in, always invested in pop culture. I knew what was going on. It was my job. Yep. And it kept me very hip. I fe- at least I felt current. I felt like I could talk about what's going on. And now, just a couple of months out, I'm already, like, I hear about things. I'm like, what's that? My wife's like, that's been out for like three months now. You don't know about that yet. Man, it's happening already. So your mom's schooling you. I'm already. It was my wife. Oh, yeah. My wife's doing it. Yeah. My mom, my mom probably would too because she listens to Top 40 Radio. So she probably knows what's going on as well. Um, but that's one of the things that comes along with, you know, you, you, you're not the same age as most of the people who are at the club, but you, you kind of have to keep up that same mentality. And I guess being behind the stage instead of in front of the stage you're in control, so it's not as big of a deal, right? Um, it can be. Um, and I think you have to look the part to a certain extent. So I do try and like mask my age to, uh, yeah, and I try and stay in shape, try and kind of you know dress the part as well. I'm not not out wearing white um, New Balance sneakers, <laughs> high socks, yeah, yeah, white yeah, socks, yeah. yeah. So, but I mean, like, so looking the part's important because they need to like have trust in you and faith in in you that you know you're not gonna, you're not some grandpa out there. But, yeah, I mean, it's just a matter of staying on top of things, and, and it's just kind of an intrinsic thing to a certain extent. Like, when you are a DJ and you've got that crowd with you, you almost kind of are out there with them at the same time that you're, you know, behind the turntables or behind the CDJs, behind the decks. So you, you do kind of become one with them. And, and kind of like a way to do that is, you know, like, so early in the night when I'm playing, like, assume I'm playing an entire, like, four or five hour set, like, at a club, which is your typical club set. And that's going to be all kind of party dance music, mostly current. Like I find a group of people like early in the night that I know are going to be sticking with me. They look like they're going to be party people. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of feel them out. I'll focus on them. I might group, be a group of like 10 girls. You know, and I'm not creepily looking at them like, you know, right. I'm actually just kind of using them as my gauge and feeling them out. And if they're having a good time and they make their way to the dance floor, that's just going to grow. So. That's a good way of looking at it. And yeah. that's what I was always told is you play for the girls. If the girls are dancing... It doesn't matter. Yes. What yeah. what's what else is going on? Because everybody's then going to join the dance well, floor. Well, guys go to the club or go to a bar to see the girls. To see the girls. So if the girls are having a good time, they're going to stay, and, and the guys are going to spend money. So exactly, yeah, and that and that's just kind of if you play to the guys, which I have had that happen, and and you had mentioned before you're not one of the the guys to have a bunch of people around you at the DJ booth because that can skew what the crowd wants because those couple of e- people in your ears telling you what they want. Yeah doesn't necessarily translate yeah there's there's a ton of bad things that outweigh the good things of having people around you when you're djing um obviously you know the good things oh my god i've got sexy people around me this is so cool right the bad things are they're talking to you while you're trying to mix there's potentially spilling drinks on your dj equipment they're bringing you drinks getting you more drunk as your dj yes yeah yeah yeah, that's a giant no-no yeah Yeah. i I fell into that trap a few times um i just uh 
as far as on the business standpoint, I'm curious. You're you're doing clubs. You have did you say 19 DJs with you? We did. Um, so we actually, as a business, being in State College, Pennsylvania, we do have like turnover every year because people graduate and move on. And I'm lucky to say that I hire good talent, and they usually move on to something amazing mm-hmm. um, out in the real world. Um, so that's really cool. But yeah, right now we're at about 15. How do you guys formulate? You know, who's going to do what? Like, if somebody's trying to hire you for an event, do yes. they get to pick who comes? Like, if they want you, yes. I assume it's a little bit more. Yes. But if they want, they get a pick of the litter. Like they get to hear the styles of other people, and they can. Okay. So there's there's a couple different ways to book with us, and and again, mostly that's in the private event world. Although it does work the same way for bars. Um, you know, we've got our guys that are leads. You know, like and there's like about five or six of us that have been around for years, and and people do request us, and it's a little more expensive. And then some people are just like, hey, we trust the brand. We know you guys are in a rocket. And that's at a lower price point. It's still pretty fair. And, and if they trust the brand, we just assign a DJ to them. Is it one DJ per party? How does that How does that work? We typically will work in two-person teams. Okay. So you've got an event host slash lead DJ, and that's the main guy. He's you know, or the main guy or main girl that are kind of doing the majority of the work. And then there's event assi- an event assistant. And that's usually a DJ that's training, just kind of learning their oh, way, okay. kind of figure out what's going on. And sometimes that pans out. Sometimes it doesn't. But they're they're typically a good hand at the events. Do you do like the photo booth and all that stuff too? Does that all come along with it? We might actually be getting into that. For the longest time, I've have, I've avoided it, for the main reason that like you know again we focus ourselves on a boutique level of being a DJ talent group. Yeah. Um, and the photo booth market is a little bit flooded. Yeah. We've got some really good friends that do it too, so you know we will work with them. Um, but if a different alternative that might be in that realm comes up, I'd definitely be interested. Just something to make us unique and different. Do you guys bring, I'm sure you do at some venues, bring along video screens, do video DJing too? Is that something you guys are into? That kind of fell out. We have the ability to do it. Yeah, yeah. That was big from like maybe 2008 to 2012. Mm -hmm. And it was fun. And when I was doing it, I was all in. I would actually create custom edits with elements of comedy and 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 music okay it was fun yeah it was definitely fun but it's also distracting so one thing to consider when you do video djing is that you've got these giant screens 60 inches if you're using a projector it's you know over 100 inches 120 inches whatever it is and and people will eventually get wind that like you're creating this really cool video show you're not just playing music videos so they're watching more than dancing yeah yeah so a lot of times they just be zombies to the screen and people wouldn't be dancing and when they're (laughs) so again like kind of to give the people listening some in, in, like insight to the bar industry people dance clubs are so popular because people do get a little sweaty and they drink a little more and they sell more drinks there yeah so that's a little bit of the basis there so when you're video djing you might be able to charge a little more of a cover if you're creative but not really in a college town where covers you know very you know usually three bucks at the most mm-hmm. um so video djing people aren't really dancing they're staring at the screen they don't want to miss it they don't want to walk away they're not going to the bar so yeah we kind of got out of it i mean although when we can do it for private events and we do that's a really good point. I never, I did notice that when people were doing video DJing that I would be just watching the music video yeah. instead of doing anything else. But I didn't think about it. it. Just it kind of takes away from what you are actually doing because obviously they create music videos to be very visually stimulating. Yeah. You kind of have to look at them because they change screens, they change like camera shots so often. It's yeah. very distracting. Um, that's whenever I was DJing. That was big, and I was going to get into it and I'm like you know what I'm just going to get out it's a lot of work too <laughs> that's so, where I was to find all the music that matched up 
and to, to find like the video so some some songs especially club songs and some remixes that you might use instead of like a radio version of a song music videos just don't exist for that yeah so in that realm what i would do was trying to find something funny and like back in the day i am not a family guy fan at all but family guy used to be big and popular so i would throw in like family guy i would throw in got like elements of like a movie like old school like just like funny little parts and funny little things and i would loop them sometimes and like i would match them to the music that's that, awesome that's I mean, a good move and that could be like a 10 to 12 hour process per song right <laughs> and i mean how many songs do this is a guy who quick mixes play a night like i mean it might be 200 300 songs so yeah, yeah. At, at one point i realized you have to go and like buy a library of the videos and like and then you can sync them up with the audio and it was just yeah. It's like this is insane. Like I'm not gonna do all this. This is that's something that you would do because you're like professional. You're, you're really involved in it. <laughs> well, I mean, and and I was you, like on the outskirts thinking about getting into it. You can be lazy and like through the DJ software that we use, which is like a Serato software, you can actually just match up a video to a song. Okay, just drag it and drop kind of thing. Yeah, but it wouldn't sync. So you'd be seeing the video for that song. But like it wouldn't be the parts lined up with the music that you need to use doing professional software. And I guess really nobody cares at that point at the bar. It doesn't really. Yeah, except for that matter. one person is going to come up like, uh, like it's it's if you ever listen to TV with an audio delay, like you'll see somebody talking, the words will come out like five seconds later. Yeah. That one person at the bar who's got OCD and like, uh, I don't know if you noticed this, but the song isn't lined up with the video, and it's driving <laughs> me crazy. And I. Just kind of like, you're like, I don't know if you've noticed this, but nobody else cares except for you. Not one person's worried about that except yeah, yeah. for yourself. Uh, that, that is one of the crazy things, too. And I, I wonder how you navigate this. You've been doing it for a long time, so I'm sure you're good at navigating it. But dealing with certain people in different kinds of functions, um, that was always one of my big struggles as well. Making, I would always worry too much about making everybody happy. Yeah. And it's almost impossible to do. What's your approach going into like a wedding or doing a private party or doing a club? Like your mentality, you know, because you're always going to have somebody who's not happy. What is um, I, I guess the majority of it's focusing on the many and ignoring the few. Um, and even like, let's say you've got a venue that holds 700 people. If three people complain a night, is it really that big of a deal if you've got a packed dance floor and everybody's having a good time? That, that's always been my mentality. Now it's easier said than done. I guess in terms of people coming up to you and bugging you throughout the night, mm -hmm. I don't get that as much as some other people, and maybe it's just because I, you know, I'm a little friendly and I could throw on the charm and, you know. Right. But yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't get it as much as other people, but you do get it, and it sometimes it throws you. Yeah, it can definitely be a big distraction because I mean, that one person gets in your head, and you're thinking, well, are they, are they gonna like this? Are they gonna like that thing? Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, and the. The whole night, like my, I guess my neurotic side comes out. And I start like <laughs> focusing in on that. Yeah, and I definitely consider myself neurotic to a point, but mostly pre-show. Like, okay. I, yeah, I mean, like when it comes time for the show, um, done is better than perfect sometimes. And also, you know, you can't just like surround yourself with the minutia of you know somebody complaining about a little thing. But I mean, you should actually, if people are complaining, definitely take it into consideration. And you know, if it's a common complaint, then maybe it's something you're doing. Yeah. yeah. And one thing that's great about DJing, which also kind of translates to radio and well to this podcast, because I don't edit very much. It, it's, it's nice that it's, it's there, it's released and it's done. There's yeah. no contemplating. Should I go back and make it better? Because yeah. you're, you're DJing live. You don't have a chance to go back and edit. You don't have to, you can't fix anything. No, no, no. So it's, 
I imagine you love that aspect of it because, uh, for example, with this podcast, I used to be really anal and I would like listen through each episode and see like, should I take that part out? Should I edit that? And at a certain point, I realized I've been doing radio live for so long and nothing's edited. Yeah. Why not just let it as it is? No, I I definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's going to be little things that happen. You might flub a mix. Um, you know, you know, might mispronounce somebody's name. You just kind of have to go with it. If it's somebody important's name, you'll correct it, and, and hopefully that doesn't happen often. But you know, little things happen. And you just kind of have to roll with them, and it's kind of like the level of customer service you bring, and kind of, you know, how you handle that. If you don't let that consume you, and you just rock the rest of the event, then you then you're in good shoes. You're good to go. Uh, so as far as your weddings, private parties, um, how, first of all, how can people hire you if they want to? I would check out mintdjevents.com. That's a good place to start. I've got a ton of information, ton of bios. Um, Yeah, I mean, you could also just like Google me. I I don't think there's anything negative unless somebody like that was really sad at one point in their (laughs) life wrote a blog about me. (laughs) Or that website, I hate Alex. (laughs) You can actually check that out. It's got all it's got contact information (laughs) on there. I guess you have that covered, though, since you own the website. You've got all that ground covered. You should put all your negative comments right on there. Like just cover all the bases. Thankfully, I don't think I've got. Yeah, there's not many negative comments out there. That's awesome. That's good news. Uh, so you were just we were just mentioning uh, that what's the name of the festival that's canceled? Uh, Karundinha. Yeah. I think one of the reasons it was canceled it was too confusing to say. Yes. So yeah. nobody knew like what it was. I've heard everything from uh, the Kitten Caboodle Festival. Yeah. To and a lot of people just called it Keha, and then uh, I have some friends from out of state that called it Pensacella. <laughs> Pensacella. Oh my God. Because a lot of the names are kind of hard to say. Coachella, Bonnaroo, a little confusing, but that one. Just we, we took it to a whole different level. A whole new level, yeah. So this was going to be in Center Hall right outside of Penn's Cave. Literally 15 minutes from my house here, yep. And just so many big bands. I think the Roots were going to be there. The Roots, Roots. Chromeo, Paramore, X Ambassadors, yeah, John, John Legend. Legend. Yeah, it's they're, they're hundreds of amazing artists and, and myself. <sighs> Included on that list. Yeah. What happened? Because when I saw it, I thought, what? When I first saw this, there's no way this is happening in Center Hall. And then it turned out to be real. Like, I feel like when I first saw the lineup, it was probably either early April, mid-April, like something, maybe mid-March, right around that time frame. And I saw, I'm like, oh, look at this. Some Penn State kid got Photoshopped and decided right. to make a fake <laughs> festival poster. I thought it was just a joke. I thought That's it was a troll. That's what I kind of thought, yeah. too, yeah. yeah. And, and it turns out maybe it was. The whole this whole time it's been a fake festival. <laughs> this whole time, yeah. they went they went pretty far with it. They hired some marketing people from Chicago. They had a talent buyer. They had like I mean, artists they, were signed on. To go. Yeah, they they lived, they had a giant team, and it seemed like they were doing it right. How did they, what happened? Do you have any insight on what went down? No, in fact, I was in my car when I you know started getting text messages you know with links to like the billboard.com story and this was just what was it just Tuesday two days ago uh, see this is me out of culture I'm out of society yeah. I don't pay attention anymore and I find out this now and which is which is crazy and I'm glad that like it, I mean I'm, it's really stinks for the community and the town and the people who bought tickets it may or may not ever get refunded and is it soon when was it supposed to happen it was supposed to happen the 20th of July <sighs> until the 23rd of July yeah yeah it's gonna be four days with like the Thursday kickoff party Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. That sucks. It, I, mean, I wasn't really planning on going, but the closer it got, I was like, I might end up getting like a day ticket. So, I mean, just for reference, I was actually going to bring an outside like lighting and visuals. I was actually going to spend way more than I, than I was making on it, but I was bringing an outside lighting and visuals director like to do really cool video wall stuff and lighting pieces. Really? And I was actually going to go away, and I still am next week, and I'm looking forward to it now because it's a vacation instead of a working vacation. But I was going to go away and actually 
construct like my set for which was an hour right before chromio on thursday night oh wow and i had some pretty cool plans i was going to start off with like the blue band marching out the drum line coming yeah. out to kick off kick things off i had a really talented saxophonist lined up for the middle part of my set so i was going to infuse some really cool live oh, elements that, into it that sucks for you that, that's I was, looking, opportunity. I was looking forward to the creative outlet. Yeah, absolutely. And the exposure too, right? I mean, that's really... Coming I mean, on before Chromeo, were they yeah. headliners? Well, and Chromeo are headliners, and they're actually one of my personal favorite bands. So yeah, that, that was an honor in itself. So, I mean, it, it does suck. I mean, again, like when it comes time to like who I feel bad for, it's, again, if the festival goes bankrupt, which, you know, they were spending a lot of money before the event, and I, I don't know the details, so this may or may not be true, but... You know, the people that bought tickets might have a hard time getting refunds. Yeah, that would really suck. I feel bad for fans. I mean, a yeah. lot of great bands. I, for me, it was The Roots. Because I've never had a chance to see The Roots live. And I was like on my bucket list of bands I want to see. And I thought I might just have to get a day pass just yeah. to see The Roots perform. Being from Philly, it made sense. Like, they're, you know, fairly close. Well, I guess they're in New York for tonight's show. But uh, that's a real bummer. I'm really... That, that seemed like something that would have legitimized this area and especially it being in center hall right outside of Penn's cave just you know kind of like in the center of nowhere how would i would i would absolutely call it in the center right? of nowhere like if you came in from the city and you're taking a bus or public transportation the festival actually had transportation lined up from hotels and everything like that okay. so you would have been on a bus and you've been driving through cornfields and farms and potentially seeing amish or mennonites like yeah. a 100% chance of seeing people that maybe if you're from like a new yorker Philadelphia, if you drove by these people, you could have thought, oh, look at these cute little actors. The festival is hired to make it seem authentic. <laughs> like you drove back in time 200 years. Yeah, yeah. As you were going to the festival. <laughs> it's like Westworld, except for in State College. <laughs> exactly. It's what, I guess it kind of speaks of State College in itself. You have tons of farmland surrounding this hub of like activity. Like this little mini city. Yeah, this this like, you know. It kind of sits here all by itself. It's, it's a very strange. I was just saying this to somebody the other day. It's a strange part of America because there's nothing around it for no, the most part nothing. and then just so much happening in a couple square miles yep. and that's it so uh that's kind of what that festival seemed like I, i'm going to attribute to the name of the festival because i i saw the name a hundred times and still have zero clue even after you said it five times how to say it yeah it's uh karun din aha karun din aha karun din aha <laughs> and i guess if you look up the background on it and, and i'm paraphrasing but I believe that was the Indian name for the area before oh. before it was settled. Yeah. Okay, so that's, we, that's a pretty cool yeah. behind the scenes name for it. Then, like the the reasoning behind it. I love Penn's Cave, also by the way. So. Very cool. Yeah, the people who own it are really cool. The and the concept of the festival is great, and and it would have been amazing for the community. Like, so Arts Fest here at Penn State is one of the biggest arts festivals and, and arts shows in the country. Is and it really? Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's, it's in the top five in terms of attendance and, and sales per artist and things like that. And that's great for this town too. And it's something in the middle of the summer that while the students are gone, it's an economic boom. And Karundanha was scheduled for the week after. So some people thought, oh, wow, oh. the second economic boom in the summer. How cool is that? Yeah. But students have limited money. Yeah. You know, there's only like, you know, if you've got... 500 bucks in your pocket you have to pick and choose now between between this heritage event that you've you know potentially been going to or if you had a parent that went to penn state that we know went to it and now you've got to pick and choose between this and a music festival so i mean I, that's that's problem troublematic or problem troublematic is not problematic a problematic troublematic yes, troublematic yes, yes, <laughs> that's a good band name maybe <laughs> troublematic <laughs> there's something there <laughs> that, that, was, um, that was the name of my first car right <laughs> the troublematic the troublematic how long did that thing last you know, just long enough to 
cause its trouble. Right. Yeah. <laughs> what first car? What was it? I had a Chevy Nova, but it was a ninth. Oh, it wasn't wow. no. It wasn't like the classic Chevy Nova. So don't get too excited. Oh, okay. It was a nineteen eighty eight Chevy Nova, uh, which was kind of like a, a co project between Toyota and Chevy. And it was like a, the same, like the Toyota Camry or Corolla, one of the two at the time, was the same exact car. Okay. But it wasn't built like a Toyota. Like I drive a Toyota 4 4 right now and the thing's a brick. I love it. Yeah. yeah. It runs forever. Like it never breaks down. Uh, it's pretty new, but yeah, it's, okay. I hope it does. Oh, uh, well, my first car was an 81 Honda Civic hatchback, Woo. which in theory should have ran forever. But it was a 16-year-old driving at a five-speed, yes. so I burned it out real quick. Crushed the transmission. Yeah, yeah, just destroyed it. But I love that car, and I still have Hondas today. I have two Hondas that I still drive because I just love Honda. Honda's one of those car companies like VW and Honda. People are and Subaru. Like people are pretty loyal to those certain brands. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not. I'm less on fashion and more on efficiency. Yes. Like, what can it do for me, and how often is that, am I have to like fix something on it? And, the answer is pretty much never. I haven't had many issues. So, uh, getting off topic a little bit, yeah, though, yeah. I guess. Sorry about that. Um, where do you see the future for you going? Like, what do you want to do with your business and just with your career in general moving forward? Do you picture yourself staying here in the area and just growing what you're doing? Are you trying to expand? What's your What's your plan? I think I'm definitely married to the area, and and again, I like State College. I've been here for since 1997 now. Where are you from? Originally? I was from Scranton. Okay. Yeah, home of the office. I worked. My father worked at Dunder Mifflin. Did he? Yeah, I don't know. Now the office is a little bit dated. I don't know if people will get that, but hopefully they will. Yeah, no, they'll get it. Cool. I think we'll be okay. It's not yeah. that old. <laughs> but yeah, I like the area and where I see my see it going. Like so, more and more. Like I love doing events, and that's something I'm still super passionate about. And I connect with my audiences, so I don't see that stopping at any point. But one of my favorite things to do now is to refine talent and grow talent and develop talent. So it's really cool. Like in, in like not just having myself out in an event or having one of my tenured like employees and awesome DJs at an event, but like finding that new DJ who like you know you find that certain piece of talent in them and let that grow. That's really really cool and definitely it's something I like doing now. If somebody wants to do that, like if it was a, a student on campus who's interested, how do yeah. they? How does that happen? I mean, I'm always open to like talking with people, and always open to hiring people, um, especially if they have that right attitude and that right level of determination. I mean, I would just visit my website, and I think on the bottom there's a job section, so you can apply right there. Um, but you know, definitely, you could reach out to me on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. How do you do? You figure out right away, like if it's. Because I imagine sometimes it's like, well, this is going to be a lot of work and maybe a waste <laughs> of time. And sometimes you can tell right away somebody's going to be on point. So I, I guess that's whenever you said that you try to find somebody who's kind of got some skill, but they're not so far along that you can't teach them. My big thing is attitude. Okay. So if, if you absolutely suck, but you've got this amazing attitude, and again, you just started, so I'm not just you know being rude or mean or anything like that. But if you've got this amazing attitude and you're willing to like be able to refine what you do, and and sometimes here like that's totally wrong. Mm-hmm. That's hard for a lot of people to accept, you know, especially in the age of uh, you know positive reinforcement. Yeah, you know, it's everybody def- gets a trophy. Yeah, yeah, the participation trophy thing. Like, you sometimes you need to hear that you know this is not what you're doing is not right. It's not good. But here's what we could do to correct that. Again, it's, but if you can accept that, if you can listen, if you can learn and you've got a positive attitude, then there's, I would never give up on somebody as long as they keep on, if they, as long as they don't give up on themselves, I'm not going to give up on them. Mm-hmm. But the second they get down, they're like, oh man, it stinks. I can't do it. I suck. 
you know, that's, you just kind of, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy because you just said that. Yeah, you're defeating yourself before yeah. you even get rolling. Yep. To be honest with you, that's one of the reasons why not, I should say it's one of the reasons why I left radio and started doing all this is I needed a new challenge. I needed something to, to like restart my engine because yep. I was feeling kind of burnt out. And uh, that what you said applies to like everything. Yes. Because you have to just keep refining that skill. Even if you feel like you have it down, there's always going to be somebody else that you can learn from. Yes. So who do you learn from? Like who do you look up to? I mean, you said Grandmaster Flash, but other current yeah, DJs. yeah, Grandmaster Flash is he's still doing it. Actually, it got in probably in his sixties now. I'm not 100 percent sure. And then back in the day, it was DJ AM. Okay. More and more now, it's actually peers that I talk to. Oh, really? Yeah. It's. I mean, I'm part of some industry networking groups, and in like being able to actually talk to them on the phone, or you know, pull up Facebook video or Skype, whatever it may be. Yeah, or you know, potentially just visiting a different city and watching them do their thing, shadowing at a wedding or shadowing at a club, you know. And that's and I'm lucky I've gotten to the position where I can actually ask somebody, hey, I want to do that, or you know, like just get invited randomly. Mm-hmm. So that's definitely like things that influence me now. And it's funny you talked about like you know where I see myself going and you know like where things will be in the future and what excites me for the future. Like one thing that I see a lot in terms of successful DJs, and this may actually be something outside of the DJ world. It definitely is because rock bands, you know, get stagnant and end up playing like the same exact songs they, they played when they were popular at like uh, county fairs instead of arenas. Yeah. Um, but a lot of times you'll see a DJ have like their peak period and it might be like two or three years long where they just were awesome. Everything they did was unstoppable. They built a fan base and then, you know, it's 10 years and because they remember that as their success period they're just constantly going to the well over and over again and doing the same exact thing yeah. and then they become stale and it almost become a parody of themselves so that's something that you've got to be vigilant of and you know definitely add you don't want to like just suddenly change all of a sudden just for change but constant refinement is definitely necessary do you listen back to yourself how do you do that yes you listen to your sets yeah uh, so i mean I'll, I'll record myself when i'm djing and if it's cool, I'll put it online sometimes, you know, but if I, you know, if I see myself doing things that, yeah, you could definitely pick up on positives and neg- negatives, both. Yeah. It's a very important thing to do. And I, you know, just that's any industry too. any, any entertainment industry. I think you got to like, you got to just monitor what you're doing because I'm sure you're your own worst critic. Yes. I would assume, I'm oh, my yeah, own yeah, worst yeah, to, ex- yeah. to the extreme. If, if you like, aren't, you're doing something wrong. Yeah. 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 You I, should, you should be, you I mean, you shouldn't again, like. There's a line between doing damage as your own worst critic and being positive. Yeah, you need to definitely. Yeah, you got to find that balance. Like where you, you got to back off. You're listening and you're like, that doesn't sound that good. Usually I'll stop at some point and be like, all right, I need to stop for a little bit. Because yeah. maybe I'm just like overanalyzing everything now. Well, focused breathing is good. Like not to get too deep into like meditation or anything like that. But if, if you're having a moment of frustration and it's kind of compounding, just taking a couple seconds to breathe in and out, like, you know, just, just focus on that for like 30 seconds usually kind of puts you right back in the element that you need to be in. Very true. Do you meditate? That's not not heavily, but I do. Yeah, I do focused breathing. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, that it helps tremendously, especially. I just did it. I have the Headspace app on my phone. And... um Earlier today, I was in my car, and I'm like, there's like a three-minute like reset yep. thing you can do. I did like three minutes of reset, and I was like, wow, I feel a lot better. It's good. It's good to kind of just you know focus on like, and again, if you're doing and you're focusing on something positive or somebody positive, yeah, it's even better. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so I'm curious, you know, finding the DJs who are coming up, the guys who and girls who are getting into this culture at this point in the game because it's changed so much from when you got in the game. Yep. I mean, things have changed. Did you start out, were you doing 
turntables and CDs, and and now you've are Both. you still using turntables now, or is it all digital? So there's actually a software, and it's really really cool. It's called Serato. And yeah. it's um, Serato DJ now. It used to be called Serato Scratch Live. So you can still use turntables. You can still use CD turntables, or they even have controllers. And I'm like, comfortable using all three. I can use whatever, just depending on the size of the event and you know my laziness sometimes. Uh, right. The one downside of using turntables now is like there's no backup. So like let's say you know you have a computer crash, you know unless you've got enough records to rock that event, that's a downside. Yeah. I typically lean towards CDJs, CD turntables. Okay. And what that is, like it's the same feel as turntables to a certain extent, a little bit smaller, but it has a thumb drive in it. And the nice thing, like so, the thumb drive could have the time code that runs between the software on your computer and the actual hardware. And just to kind of put things in layman's terms, like you've got that old school control using the time-coded CDs or the time-coded thumb drives or the time-coded records. And it, like it's basically that manual control of the music that you would have with turntables without having to lug around, you know, uh, 10 books of 500 CDs or, you know, 15 crates of, you know, 50 records. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's really cool. It's the best of both worlds for sure. I rest in peace is Steve Kelsey. He used to be the, the morning DJ on Froggy 98. He still, until he passed away a few years ago, Every event he did, he carried crates of records, and he for, wasn't for private events. Was that that's not Steve the DJ guy, was it? No, no, not Steve that DJ guy. Steve Frogman Kelsey, okay, out of Altoona, and uh, he didn't mix or anything. He just only played records, and he carried around the crates like he would load them up and like take them to parties and stuff. It was crazy. So this this is actually pretty funny. Like we do some pretty high end events. You know, we don't we don't do we do we do some pretty awesome things for pretty awesome people at our company. But sometimes, and it doesn't happen often, but like once a year, we'll have somebody actually that's doing a really cool, rustic, authentic, small party, and they'll say, hey, can you guys actually play records? And we do have a record collection, and I'll do it every once in a while, it, like, and they just want it for the feel and the look, like it's, it's, it's more of an aesthetic thing yeah. than it is. And It has a bit of a different sound. I mean, you can yeah, tell the difference yeah. too, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, there's hisses and pops and cracks and... I mean, and sometimes it's a negative. Like, if you've burnt out a record, you'll get the skip over a certain part of it. Right. So. <laughs> at least they know it's authentic at that yeah, point. Right. <laughs> they know you're doing the real deal. <laughs> I guess with your with your audio software, though, you may be able to, you could mimic that with some audio software. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't think you want to. You, like no. the software does sound pretty warm. It's 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 good. Um, what do you think about like DJs that are coming up? Do you see that the 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 because they don't have to have the technical, I guess, abilities that people in the past used to have to have, do they have as much passion and, and focus on it? It's What I'm trying to say, I guess, is it's easier now to get into it. Yes. So do they still have the amount of passion that somebody, say you or somebody who got in the game a while ago, has? So I think the only negative of it is that there's an expectation of instant gratitude. Mm. Um, yeah. both in terms of you know sometimes the audience and sometimes the people who are learning and potentially wanting to be DJs you know when I learned to DJ I would I probably played for a year in like my bedroom without ever going out because I didn't feel like I was good enough and I wasn't good enough um, so now because like and I didn't have the record collection and you know there were there were legitimate reasons to why I earned you know going out there and playing for a crowd now, since everything is instant, everything is a little more affordable, and, and music, potentially, which is a negative, could be illegally downloaded. You could illegally download an entire collection of music and be ready to go. Yep, yeah. Um, and that, that's definitely a negative, and that's for a whole different you know, subject. But because everything else is instant, the person who wants to be a DJ, 
might not all the times but might actually think you know okay you know i've i've got all this stuff i've never done it before practice for a couple hours let's do this yeah yeah um and and now like one thing where the audience has changed too in the in the digital era when you were playing records i mean you had to get the record put it on the actual record player you had to cue up the record in your headphone make sure you're coming at the right point you had to, you know, mix the record in mm-hmm. manually. Now there are visual cues, and in some cases, even auto beat matching tools that allow the songs to mix together, not automatically on their own, but they'll put them at the right tempos to match up. Yeah, I, I don't do that. I don't trust it. Still, that's just the old school guy in me. But because you didn't have that, because that didn't exist then, crowds had a lot more patience with their DJs. Right, and DJs can also be a little more creative musically then and it also looked like they were doing a lot more because now you see djs and um, this might not be you yeah. but you see someone you're like i don't think they're even doing anything there's well, that famous video of david Guetta like smoking a cigarette while his dj set was going on that was always the one that would go around as yeah like, yeah and then an well and to a certain extent like the big edm shows and big edm producers you don't want to look at them as djs you want to look at them as almost like concerts right performers, like, like yeah, yeah like you're going to see your favorite band you're going to hear your favorite songs you're going to see a really cool light show and you know that, that's how I look at EDM shows, and that's how I keep it a, from being a negative. If you look at an EDM show as a DJ performance, and you are part of DJ culture, you're going to poop all over it. Yeah, you're going to pick it apart like yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, if you go into it knowing what it is, and, and just kind of going for all the elements of the show, you're going to enjoy it. If you're too critical of it, and, and you know you think you're going to see like a DJ battle, you know, DMC or Red, Red Bull DJ battle, you're going to be very, very disappointed. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Have you been a part of those? Are you part of DJ battles? Do you do that sort of stuff? I've done a couple. I'm not really a big battle DJ. I can scratch, but like it's like a battle DJ is different than a party DJ. Um, and, and you're definitely there. You're looking at a technical ability, the juggling, things like that. Um, yeah, it's, it's a whole different beast. I've done a couple and, and they've been fun. Yeah, it's like something you can't really dance to necessarily. It's more of like the skill level yeah. compared to what you're playing. Yep. This was interesting. I went. We were at uh, uh, Wells Fargo Arena, I think, to see Metallica a couple of months ago, and they had a DJ before Metallica. Well, before Volbeat came on, there was a DJ and a pretty good DJ too. That's actually uh, well. Don't spoil it yet because people were just shitting on him like terribly. Oh, really? Like, just screaming, "You suck! You're terrible!" And you know, he was playing like a lot of Rage Against the Machine, and like he was really trying to mix in rock. And he threw in some dubstep, and he threw some hip-hop in, and he played some Beastie Boys, and then it dawned on me, I'm like, wait a minute, I remember seeing who the DJ was going to be. Oh, it's Mixmaster Mike. Yeah. Like, one of the most famous DJs of all time. Yes. And he's just getting dumped on from people. They hated it, because I don't think they necessarily knew who he was. Well, and I and don't it, think it's a crowd for a DJ. That's what I was saying. Yeah, like, yeah. It's got to be the right atmosphere. Yeah. Even if you're one of the greatest of all time and you're like highly respected. Now, if you're looking at, you were at the Wells Fargo Arena. Is that the one in uh, Wilkes-Barre or is that the one in Philadelphia? The one in Philly. Okay. I think that's what it was. It's the, where the, like the Giants yeah, play. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. I think it's what, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what it was. But yeah, it was, it was uh, crazy. It was, it was a great time. Yeah. We were like six rows back for, I, I could see James Hetfield. Like he was like 20 feet in front of me and I was just staring at him. And they had these big video panels behind each of them too, right? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Their stage shows just, it was mind blowing. It was a, it was a once in a lifetime kind of experience, but I was just, when I realized it was Mixmaster Mike and I turned to my buddy and I'm like, that's, that's Mixmaster Mike. And people were just hating <laughs> everything that he's doing and he was doing a good job. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. just didn't matter what he did. 
Yeah. And then he would play like a Metallica song and people would be yelling, don't play the song before they play it. That sort of thing. It's like, you guys, <laughs> no respect. You know what I mean? Have you been in situations like that where you've gone out there and just ate shit? Early in my career, like, I mean, obviously, especially, like, so I worked a full-time job out of college, and at some point I was like, I can't do this desk job anymore. I need to be a full-time DJ or at least try. Um, and, and at that point, like, I would say yes to everything because it was an extra dollar in my pocket. What were you doing before DJing? Um, I actually worked for a construction publishing company, and I did some technology pieces for them, okay. um, some computer programming, some web programming. And it, was, uh, it, was, it, was, it, was, it wasn't a bad job, it, and it paid fine. But the thing was... Um, wasn't your passion. Well, it wasn't my passion, and it was like project-based. And with any full-time job, you're expected to be there 40 hours a week. And I would finish projects ahead of time, just kind of sit around, twiddle my thumbs. And, you know, there wasn't a Facebook to play on around or anything like that. And I, I thank God there wasn't because it's... You would have wasted so, more time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and potentially, you know, I wouldn't have realized, you know, how bored and like how much I hated it. Oh, potentially, true. Potentially, I could have been like, oh, well, I'm, talking, I'm chatting with a friend. Yeah, that's yeah. very. I got my work done early, yeah. and I can just do whatever I want now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. So you were doing that while you were DJing on the side, yeah. On the side. yeah. And then, then I just decided I'm going to try doing it full time, and I ended up, you know, moving away from my nice apartment where I lived by myself into another into a house um, where I just had a room with you know a dozen other DJs. Not not a dozen. It was probably like six. Okay, um, that's probably insanity. Yeah, and, and there were all different kinds of DJs. There were some DJs that were party DJs. One of these guys was like a drum and bass head and like would do cocaine and drugs and he'd be up at like 4 o'clock in the morning and you just hear pounding because he's DJing at 4 a.m. And like I still went to bed at normal hours, you know, normal hours being like 2 a.m. Yeah. Um, in the DJ world. But yeah, so that was that was fun. But it was cool because I actually learned a lot from them. On Sundays, we, you know, we would all just drink and like hand each other random records and try and mix in. And a lot of times we would like train wreck. But it was it was fun and it grew me as a DJ. Um, that is pretty cool. That, yeah, does yeah. that still happen? Are people still doing that? Because that seems... They should. Yeah, yeah. It's a great way to learn. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, you're if they're, you're getting handed a random record, chances are it's not going to mix. It's not possible to mix with what you're playing yeah but you, know, you could try or get be a find a creative way out of the current song and drop in the new song i'd love to do that with podcasting have a room full of people who do podcasts we <laughs> just like talk on each other's thing and go around that, that would be a good time that, that speaking of a great way to learn like that would just be a crash course yeah right because you're Absolutely. just all thrown together i'm surprised with how popular podcasting is there isn't a popular uh, podcasting trade show I think there is there in like be, yeah. California, like in bigger cities in yeah. New York. I think they have one. I just wish around here. I don't know anybody else who does one. You know, I mean, no. I, I know people who want to, and I know people who have started one and did like five episodes, and then they same thing. There's it. no instant gratification. You have to build that base. You have to build that listener. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I kind of look at like you know Joe Rogan and guys who like they didn't even start catching fire until they did 500 episodes. Yeah. Like it takes a long time yep. because it's still so new. DJing on the other hand, I mean, that's so in, it's, it's just so built into, I think our culture at this point. Yeah. I but it does. It does like, I mean, if you're trying to do it legitimately and trying to build a fan base, like I would say like, you know, 500 events is probably not a, not an unrealistic number. Like the 10,000 hours kind of thing. Yes. You got to put your yeah. hours in to make it actually yep. to become really good at it. Uh, as far as your DJs go, who are guys or girls that you have with you who have been with you the longest who do a great job? 
definitely want to send a shout out to DJ Cassius. He's been with me for about 12 years now. His name is AJ Sutherland. He's absolutely amazing um, and, and very highly requested. He does Thursday nights at Indigo, which is the pop, most popular night in the club. And, and I would say it's you know 75% DJ Cassius, uh, 25% the fact that they've got dollar tees. <laughs> so, but you know, he rocks it every time. He does weddings. He's the most versatile human being you'll ever meet. So yeah, awesome. he's definitely like a good dude. Yeah. 12 years with you. Is that 12 years total? He's been doing it. Did you train him or did he come in? He came in with a little bit of knowledge. He was actually pretty good actually when he came in. Um, but you know, again, everybody gets better over time and, and refines over time. What's your turnover rate for DJs? Like usually, I mean, imagine them being going to Penn state. There's some with high turnover rate. But well, yeah. So most of our turnover is, so there's initial turnover people that like, join the train and like decide like you know they just don't have the patience and being a dj requires a certain amount of sacrifice and the fact that like 90 percent of our events are on saturday nights and right. saturdays and that requires giving up a large portion portion of your social life i mean for my case i was single for like the longest 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 time just because you know like i mean i would meet somebody cool and they would have a grown adult job and like oh let's go on a date on saturday night i'm sorry i can't do that right so <laughs> i'll be you can come on a date to see me nah I'll i never liked that either DJ though booth. yeah that's just <laughs> I like I don't think that's you know that mix of you know yeah I never really liked that either so I mean, yeah there's definitely a lot of sacrifice so that's where the initial turnover comes in like people that just start and maybe want to go through the school the training like they process they might think it's a cool job and then they realize oh, you know it is a cool job but but it's a job yeah you know? yeah yeah it is yeah and then like but then turnover happens also you know like just people that move on and graduate from Penn State what's your opinion on the DJs who uh, just play song after song after song with no mixing involved because that was me. Um, so I don't consider them DJs. Right. <laughs> I never considered myself one. Yeah. And it's like, I, I think, this, so I compare it to going to a restaurant. Let's say you ordered chicken and you had uh, a chef in uh, quotations there. I'm, uh, you can't see my hands. Mm. And the chef just brings you out like a seasoned piece of raw chicken. That's kind of the same thing to me. Like a DJ that's not mixing the songs together is basically, you know, not a DJ. Yeah. Just like that guy who's bringing out a piece of raw chicken with some salt and pepper on it isn't a chef. And again, no disrespect. I mean, by definition, a DJ is just somebody who plays music. So, I mean, I guess by definition, you're a DJ, but not like maybe not a club party DJ. Yeah, that's, I mean, I tried mixing and it, like when you were saying you never used the, the sync software, that's what I used. I would sync everything. Even if it didn't sync, I'd be like, well, it, it seems to match up. I think it's all right. Uh, but I never I never got far enough into it and never had like the experience level to really feel confident doing it. But whenever I watch somebody do it who's really, really good at it, it's, you know, because you make it look easy because yeah. you've been doing it for so long and you're, you're so proficient in it. But it, I think that a lot of people don't get, they don't understand the respect level that a, a really good DJ deserves because you're, you're balancing so many different things at one time. I mean, yeah, you don't need to switch records anymore, but you've got to pick the right music. You've got to know when to mix it in. You've got to know when to get out of it. Uh, you've got to read the crowd. Like yeah. there's, there's so many elements that, uh, until you're behind there doing it, you don't even, you think you're just pushing buttons. Yeah. I mean, I, I you know, again, I think everybody wants to feel important, you know, and everybody wants to feel respected in, in what they do. And I certainly do as well. And it's, it's cool when people do recognize it, but to a certain extent, like, you know, I'm playing songs for a crowd that just wants to hear their favorite song. They want to hear a bunch of their favorite songs. They want to go out with all their girlfriends. They want to like celebrate the biggest day of their life. So, I mean, like, I don't, I don't really get personally offended. They're the ones hiring me. They're the ones paying me. And if they're dancing and having a good time and, and not up my ass, you know, that's all the gratification I need. <laughs> I mean, there's other jobs, you know, obviously, like accounting. Like, you know, nobody really thinks about how hard accountants work to make sure books are balanced. Um, nobody but makes, you don't see them doing their job while they're yeah, doing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's not really... 
Yeah, you're not behind it, like staring at somebody doing <laughs> your paperwork. There's no such thing you. as an accountant booth where you're <laughs> watching them real time crunch numbers. And who the hell would want to do that anyway? <laughs> <laughs> It'd be the worst thing ever. Um, so, what what advice would you give to somebody who's coming up who wants to do what you do and uh, they want to take it seriously? What, what steps should they take? To sure. Get in? I mean, number one is no music. Like so, like learn music. Oh, okay. I thought you meant no music. I was like, uh, oh, no, 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 no. Silence. No. Learn, learn music. Like, <laughs> so in terms of being a DJ, like obviously we talk about mixing and we talked about how it's important and in terms of like, you know, what a real DJ is in my mind. But if you as a DJ can play the right songs at the right time and you know music, that's going to be your first step. You can be a popular DJ and not even knowing how to mix. Mm. So if you know the songs to play at the, at the right time to build emotion, to build the crowd, to you know, build the atmosphere, whatever you might be doing. That's the most important thing. Secondly, like, so I, mean, I guess that's just learning music, learn music, like, just research music. Like sometimes maybe it means like, you know, having Sirius XM or going on, you know, uh, Pandora or Spotify, I, I Apple Music and just listening to something that you've never listened to before. Like listening to an oldies genre, listening to country, listening to like dance if you're a hip hop head, if you're a dance person, EDM head person, listen to hip hop. Like it's just learn music, know music, take note of music. Yeah. Um, Don't stay stuck in your lane of the one thing you like. Yes. Yeah. 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 So that, that's num- that's number one thing. Number two is like, just don't get discouraged. You know, you're going to stink. You're going to get booed. People are going to tell you you suck. People are going to tell you you shouldn't do this, especially early on. And if you let that consume you, it's going to be terrible. Um, you're just going to get, it's going to get in your head. Um, so kind of, you know, believe in yourself, you know, that's, you know, it's, it's stereotypical, but it's true. And then just practice, 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 record yourself DJing, like for yourself, listen back critically, you know, figure out where you could have done better. Um, maybe it means going out to a club with a legitimate DJ shadowing, like, or working for a company like mine and listening to the guys that have been doing it for years and kind of picking out the things you like, things you don't like watching how crowds react to certain pieces of the night. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's just kind of become a student of the game. My my brother-in-law, he's really he's a pretty good drummer. He's not a drummer, but he's a good drummer. Yep. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he said that he learned just by watching people drum. Like he would go to like the wing off at Lakemont Park yeah. and Altoona and just watch a local band. Watch just watch the guy drum for like an hour. That's and good. That's how he that's picked it all up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you can watch the hand movements like of any kind of you know any kind of athlete or musician and kind of pick up on it that way. That That's a pretty incredible thing. But you also, I think you just get the feel. I mean, for, for me in radio and in podcasting, watching people who do it, you get like an osmosis sort of thing. I mean, you might not understand the technicalities of everything, but you just understand kind of how to approach it and how they act when they're doing it yep. and their mannerisms and that, thing that, that kind of rubs off without you even knowing it necessarily. Yeah, without question. Yeah, putting that all in. All right, so wrapping it up, like if people want to get a hold of you, let's go over this all again. So if they want to hire you, they want to have you on for uh, you know a, a party, wedding, whatever it might be. Yep. How can they contact you? And um, easiest that? way is uh, go to alexnepa.com, djalexnepa.com, mintdjevents.com. Pretty um, pretty uh, um, active on social media, so you can add me on there, DM me, whatever way. Um, I'm not on Tinder, so do not right swipe me. That's a fake account if you see it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, even Googling me, I should come up too in, in a positive way. So. And it's Alex N-E-P-A. Alex N-E-P-A, yep. Thank you, dude. This is a cool conversation. Thanks yeah, a lot. Thank you for having me. By the way, on my way out of 
Alex's house. I tried to steal that replica WWE title. That thing weighs like 25 pounds, and he powerbombed me through a table before I could get it out of there. But Alex, <laughs> thanks, dude. Thank you for the awesome conversation. Thank you for the podcast. And, um, you know, I have a great respect for DJs. Because I did DJ myself for a couple of years, uh, not very successfully, and I was not that all, all that skilled. But I definitely have a, a great respect for DJs and what they do and rocking a crowd and keeping a party going. And uh, it's, a, it's a definite awesome skill that uh, I think people do not understand how difficult that skill can be. I mean, of course, anybody can play music, but not anybody can, t- can rock a crowd and really understand how to work a crowd. And like he said, have them in the palm of your hand. So shout out to you, DJ Alex Nepa. Find him online at all those social media locations. Find Mint DJ events. Get them for your party, your next event, whatever it is that you're doing. And if you want to get me, you want to find me, you know how to do that. I'm talking to a lot of businesses lately. So if you're a business who wants to be on the podcast and chat it up, um, you know, I'm not much into strictly just promoting your business. I'm more into like having a conversation getting to know you as a person, but in turn, that turns into you uh, also probably giving some free plugs for your business, because it all kind of goes in a circle, right? At least that's how I feel about it. So uh, please contact me, Facebook, Instagram, Rob Z Radio, Twitter, Snapchat, Rob Z Yo. The number is 814-799-0064. If you leave a rating on iTunes, I will personally come to your house. I'll shake your hand. I'll kiss your baby. I'll slap your ex-boyfriend, and uh, <laughs> I don't know what your life is like, but if you have a mean ex-boyfriend and he's there and you know he's cool with me slapping him, I'm not just going to do it. I'm going to make sure that he's cool with it first because I'm not into getting into a, into a fight with somebody I don't know for some sort of weird situation, but yeah, whatever. All right, we'll see you. Bye. <laughs> That's brutal.